0: Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at Four for Four football as always I'm your host John David joined today on the York holiday week not that there are many injuries around the league to have to worry about early in the week it is of course friend in life John Paulson how's it going
1: it's going pretty well uh, everything is compressed on this short week so we're here was this a day early or do day we early. Really do it on- three
0: games <laughs> oh, Thursday one game on the Friday and everything on Sunday, including four totals that are under 37 points. Great
1: football. Sweet, sweet.
0: So yes, lots to talk about today. We will do as much as we can, but there are so many injury situations on Sunday. The matchups are going to be what we discuss here. And then if you have further questions, as always, you can reach us in the four for four Discord with the Thanksgiving sale happening right now through the end of the weekend as well 92% off basically everything practically for free I believe even the pro sub for all of our projections rankings eight dollars the rest of the season just incredulously cheap so feel free to jump in and ask your questions there in discord I do answer the dms but Paulson let's go ahead and start off with the early kickoff and that's the Packers at the Lions and beginning with the Packers side of the ball the issue is that It does seem like following a full practice on Wednesday, we are getting Jaden Reed for sure. Dontavian Wicks upgraded to limited, and that's a big deal because the Packers the past three games have been running more of a receiver rotation with four different players. But if we think it's only going to be Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs, go ahead and parse them for everyone in your rankings.
1: Yeah. I mean, if Wicks plays or if he's out, that's actually, as you mentioned, a big deal, because if he's out, then you're probably just down to a three receiver rotation. And all three of those guys are going to play a lot and a bit more than that they would with Wicks, who looks, Wicks Wicks looks pretty good uh, as well, but uh, we'll see if he's able to to play on uh, Thursday morning, tomorrow morning. Uh, I trust Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs. I don't trust Christian Watson right now. So you can run them out there. It's a good matchup against a, a shaky Lions secondary. They're 21st in just a fantasy points allowed to, re- to receivers, but Jordan Love just connects, has connected better with Reed and Dobbs than he has with Watson. They're also giving uh, Reed uh, handoffs, uh, which last year Christian Watson got quite a few carries. He's not getting much of that this year at all. And that's part of the problem with this floor. Uh, but Reed is obviously doing well with those. He had the long touchdown run uh last week and uh he's been he's been really solid and Dobbs is basically loves go-to guy uh in the red zone so those are the two that I trust I've got them at 40 and 50 respectively with Watson at 50.
0: And given that we expect the Packers to basically turn it on in negative game script in the second half given that the Lions are over touchdown favorites at home with really no injuries to speak of I would imagine we get some volume for the air for both of those guys. Jaden Reed, my personal favorite. For anyone interested in DFS, TJ Hernandez. We'll talk about Jaden Reed and Jordan Love in depth for a three-game slate if you're tuned into the 44.com DFS tab. On the other side of the ball, it's pretty much become what we thought too with Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs being in a true timeshare. I talked about it last week, but Montgomery had previously – with Jameer Gibbs not fallen under 70% of the team's running back touches and those two starts. And now his last two starts since he returned from injury, he's actually been at 54%. So it is a timeshare Gibbs. Also given that he has the receiving game has been a top three RB and PPR in his last four starts at well, what are you doing with this backfield?
1: Well, they're both startable. And I think especially this week against, against the, the Packers, uh, really struggle against the run, Uh, this could be a game where the Lions just control it on the ground and build a little bit of lead that way. Uh, I've got Gibbs in the top 10. I've got Montgomery at 13. Uh, The Packers 21st adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And I think, you know, with prior to the injury, uh, Montgomery injury, Gibbs was a little dicey in terms of his, you know, touch floor with Montgomery Uh, healthy but you know over the last two weeks 31 touches for Gibbs 26 touches for Montgomery I think they both are a threat uh, for goal line carries now whereas before the injury it was only Montgomery really getting those touches and then now they're actually using Gibbs really in a healthy passing role he's got nine catches over the last two weeks as well so I like both players this week
0: and for the Lions not many ancillary options to speak of but it is worth noting that Jamison Williams now back-to-back games around the team's by and route participation, three consecutive games increasing that rate, which allowed him being on the field more, just four fewer routes than Josh Reynolds, to spike that big 40-plus-yard touchdown. So definitely a spot here we think Jamison Williams, if you're in need of a flex option on Thursday, can get you there as well. Commanders at the Cowboys, and I'm actually shocked this number continues increasing because six turnovers for the commanders is such an anomaly that you could guess it's not going to happen again. I like Sam Howe and the passing game in this matchup. I think they can hang around if not upset the Cowboys here, given that again, pretty much everything we've seen over the last month from Sam Howe has been an entirely different tune on offense and catering to getting the ball out quicker and thus limiting his sack rate. And I think it's become clear, too, that it is Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, and the team's running backs, as even Jahan Dotson didn't have a single target until Curtis Samuel got ejected last week. Curtis Samuel hasn't gone over 26 receiving yards since week six. So to me, those are the key players here for the commander's offense, and I really don't stretch beyond that.
1: Yeah, I think Dotson is a dart throw. Uh, You're you're hoping if you put him in, he's at 48. Dallas is 10th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. McLaurin, I have a 28. So he's a solid wide receiver three. He's, his, his target share has been pretty consistent. Uh, but the other receivers, it's been up and down. Uh, they've had a couple of weird games. They had, I think, two weeks ago where they had two running backs uh, as the top two target getters, uh, Antonio Gibson and uh, Brian Robinson. And then last week, uh, again, the receivers weren't targeted heavily. Um, so Logan Thomas, I think, is certainly an option uh, as a low end tight end one um and then you know as you mentioned Howell uh going to start him in one league it's it's kind of a feels a little bit dicey given the matchup but i think there's multiple ways for him to get there if they're if it's a competitive game then they must be doing pretty well because Dallas is probably going to score on their pass defense which is pretty abysmal and if they are falling way behind then he could really make a lot of uh up a lot of ground in terms of fantasy points in garbage time uh so i think there's You know, and he also scrambles as well. So I think there's multiple ways for Sam Howell to get there as a QB one this week.
0: So abysmal that Tommy DeVito took nine sacks and still got there as the QB five on the week. So just imagine what this Cowboys passing offense that has been passing at the league's fifth highest rate with a two score lead is going to do. They've done so in their last five games, and that of course then leads us to CeeDee Lamb, an obvious option, but Brandon Cooks, even though the target share dipped. One week after his season-high 21.5% mark, he still led the team in receiving yards, As they continue doing some crazy things out of their bye, They're just throwing stuff against the wall now uh, to try to get to these week 14, week, week 15 games against the Eagles and Bills, including CeeDee Lamb rushing, uh, a lot more Brandon Cooks motion. We had Rico Dowdle from the Wildcat formation last week. Gavante Turpin is also getting carries inside the 10-yard line now. They're just trying everything, uh, waiting for those important games. So I think Brandon Cooks and Jake Ferguson are really still the options we're latching on to here.
1: Yeah, and uh, you wouldn't uh, expect a great game out of Cooks, but the matchup is good. You don't know exactly what his – uh, usage is going to be because he had that ten-target game, and obviously it was amazing—nine for 173 and a touchdown against the Giants. But outside of that, he has not exceeded four targets since Week Three. Uh, so he's going to—if if he's still seeing that sort of limited usage, he's going to have to be efficient. And this is a defense that you can be very efficient against. And maybe you get lucky, and he gets six or seven targets against the, the the Commanders, who are 32nd last in the league and adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers.
0: And the nightcap, littered with injuries on Seattle's side of the ball, is none other than the 49ers and the Seahawks. And the concern, really, is that Geno Smith, dealing with this triceps bruise, appears to be truly a game-time call. So much so that when Pete Carroll was asked about it, he said, we're just going to go through the motions and figure it out. Uh, when Gino Smith was asked if he was starting, he was also very coy about it too. And Drew Locke said he's, pre- he's practicing and just trying to be prepared in case his name is called. Uh, and it was a lot more than just stereotypical trying to hide the fact that Gino's going to start. So I'm worried even if Gino's active, I'm not starting him here. But we at least got Tyler Lockett fully removed from the injury report on Wednesday.
1: Uh, The matchups here are a little bit interesting. Uh, Gino is not a great start. The 49ers are second and just a fancy points allowed to quarterbacks. They are worse against receivers, but very good against tight ends, kind of mediocre against uh, running backs. So I think uh, Zach Charbonnet is certainly a live uh, start with Kenneth Walker looking pretty doubtful. Um, But you would like like, uh, Gino to be active Uh, you'd feel better about the offense as a whole if he if he were active uh dk and and are, or you know i for me wide receiver two threes uh this week uh just given the matchup and just kind of uncertainty at quarterback
0: any thoughts on the 49ers because i'm sure people are getting to worry about Debo samuel in these last two games since he returned from injury but And this spot, remember, even with Brock Purdy last year, the 49ers put up 21 points in week 15, uh, spiked them for 41 in in the divisional round. So not too much concern for me here. I I think the 49ers offense is good for 30-plus points and fantasy goodness everywhere.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, when it comes to 49ers, stardom, unless you're talking about Jawan Jennings. uh, uh, Debo, I would say... uh, you know he had the, he had the 60 or the 59 yards and a touchdown and the touchdown came on a run so you know you don't know how repeatable that is that was 2 weeks ago tampa he had 3 for 63 on four targets i think the good note there is that his snap percentage rose from 57% to his in his first week back to 85% uh in week 11 and that's back up to the starter level numbers that he was playing in weeks 1 through uh 4 before the injury so uh, you know i feel he's not as consistent of a in usage as Ayuk is. And, you know, obviously Kittle plays a different position. But they are handing him the ball here and there. And I would say in his last four games, he has 30, 11, 29, and negative one yards rushing. So he is does have a decent floor there for the most part uh, when he's not playing Tampa. And the, the Seahawks are just, they're, they're kind of mediocre against the receiver position. So I feel pretty good about about Debo as like a low-end wide receiver, two, high-end wide receiver, three.
0: Prize picks is North America's largest independently-owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, prize picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But... It doesn't stop there. PrizePix even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now, it's possible. Just go to prizepix.com accurate and use the promo code accurate to match your first deposit up to $100. Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. The holidays are right around the corner. And what better way to please your family and the crowd than with HelloFresh's 15-minute meals. With HelloFresh, you can skip that trip to the grocery store and still turn around anything from photo-worthy charcuterie boards to mouth-watering desserts with pre-portioned ingredients that travel straight from the farm to your door. I've enjoyed avoiding that hassle with HelloFresh. Because all you have to do is pick your favorite meals, decide on a delivery date that works, sit back, and allow the food to come to you. And right now, HelloFresh is offering free breakfast for life. That's right, free breakfast for life. Just go to hellofresh.com mostaccuratefree and use the code mostaccuratefree to receive one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash MostAccurateFree using the code MostAccurateFree. It's another reason why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. And now, you can score even more pizza with your pizza. It's easy. Just order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, Plus all day Sunday, and become eligible for instant win prizes. And best of all, you pick the toppings you crave. I attended a live Scott Fishbowl draft over the summer and was convinced by a friend to try Little Caesars pretzel stuffed crust pizza with cheese sauce. And no hyperbole, it changed my life forever. Either way, everyone wins with Little Caesars convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup. You can even pay for your pizza on the Little Caesars app and have your friends grab it on their way over to watch the game. That's how you enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. Pizza, pizza. Dolphins at the Jets on Black Friday afternoon, oddly enough. We will... No more on Devon A. Chan. by Friday morning. I am still leaning towards him being doubtful in playing. And with Savon Ahmed slapped on into reserve for the next four games, Raheem Moster is someone you absolutely have to get in your lineups uh, this week. On the other side of the ball, though, I think everyone really wants to know, what is your concern level reached for Garrett Wilson from Tim Boyle?
1: Well, Tim Boyle is not good. Uh, you know, he was... I think he had, I'm trying to remember his college stats off the top of my head. I think it's one touchdown, 13 interceptions uh, in his final season. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I don't, I mean, he's an NFL quarterback, so he's good. But, you know, relative to what we're, I mean, I would think I'd rather have Zach Wilson in there if I'm a a manager that's trying to roll uh, Garrett Wilson out there. Uh, He was getting, I mean, Wilson and Devontae Adams are kind of in a similar situation. They're just getting tons of targets. They're They're poor quality, so only about half of them count. And they're, you know, they're maybe doing six for 80. And, you know, you're lucky to get a touchdown like Devontae Adams had last week. Um, I have Garrett Wilson. I mean, the I have him at 23. The the Dolphins are 30th. They're, they're towards the bottom of the league. and Adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. So the matchup is good. He'll probably get peppered with targets. Um, so on that front, he's, he's in pretty good shape. And one thing I want to note on Miami, though, the backfield, is that uh, if, if A-Chan doesn't play, then I think Jeff Wilson is – Becomes more intriguing as a dart throw or maybe a DFS play because uh, they're not going to probably give Raheem Mostert 25 touches. So uh, Wilson might be in play there. Um, and then I, how do you feel about Brees Hall against this Miami defense? They're fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs.
0: Even in this past week, without Michael Carter, they gave Dalvin Cook six snaps to Hall six snaps on third and fourth down. Like they cut Michael Carter, which we thought would unleash Hall as an every down back, but they still just wasted touches with Dalvin Cook. It doesn't make any sense at all. So um, it's a player you're still starting because obviously their longest plays this year and they are dead last in the league, even behind the Steelers in explosive plays of 10 plus yards, but Brees Hall is responsible for a majority of them. So he's still someone you keep playing, but what's going on right now is obviously frustrating.
1: Yeah. It's interesting to like consider him. We had in the the super chat, we had a question about like Brees Hall versus Kyron Williams. And I thought that was an interesting question with Kyron's first, first game back. Um, so the matchup's better for Kyron or for Derrick Henry or for, uh, David Montgomery or, uh, players like that Rashad white. Um, but Brees Hall's got the name recognition and he's got a lot of talent. I just wonder with this Miami defense and, uh, you know, being fifth and just fancy points a lot of running backs and their likelihood that they're going to jump out to a big lead, he's going to really have to do it through the receiving game to, to really get there. It's
0: a great question. For the Jaguars and the Texans, a really good spot for the Texans offense. And as of Wednesday, Noah Brown still DMP, run clear how it will shake out moving on. Either way, the Jaguars defense appeared to bounce back against Will Levis, but even Levis in this past game went 11-12 for two touchdowns from a clean pocket. And the Jaguars, they actually pressured Levis at his lowest rate over the last month as a team starter. So I still have major concerns about the defense. And now they get C.J. Stroud from a clean pocket, not Levis. So I like the Texans' offense quite a bit. The big start set, though, Paulson, is Devin Singletary with Damian Pierce presumably black, back because Pierce practiced in full on Wednesday. So how are you adjusting Singletary, assuming Pierce is healthy?
1: Yeah, if Pierce is back, that makes it Singletary, who's been I would I wouldn't say he's been getting by on volume, but he's been seeing a lot of volume. This is a pass funnel Jacksonville defense. They're pretty good against the run. Uh, yeah. I would expect a lot of pass attempts for C.J. Stroud and uh, not much running success for the uh, for the Texans. Although you know they've been better the last couple of weeks with with Singletary, but if Pierce is back and he's seeing presumably six to ten carries or six to ten touches, then that's certainly going to put a a damper on the Devin Singletary, uh, Singletary parade.
0: I'm in quite a few spots with Jalen Warren or Singletary or Tony Pollard and Calvin Williams. I'm definitely moving Singletary to the back of that pile if I have better options like that. Um, Jalen Warren especially, is, we'll talk about in a bit, is an amazing spot. So I'm, I'm not trying to leave him my bench for a guy I also think was going to move into a committee but we can be happy that we at least got those every touch starts from Singletary and soft spots the past few games against the Bengals and the Cardinals. On the other side of the ball, their narrative, of course, is that somehow with Zay Jones on the field, Calvin Ridley wants to show off for him and play his best ball. Uh, how much are you buying into it, and what are you doing with Calvin Ridley in the rankings this week?
1: Well, I think we have like five games now. Uh, the splits are really stark. Like when when Zay Jones plays, uh, Ridley excels, um, and I'm waiting for the explanation. Uh, might be different routes being run or whatever. But uh, for now, I, it it's not something we should ignore. So I've got Ridley as a you know reasonably reasonably good start, and you just have a little bit more confidence in him with Zay Jones out there. And it's, it's counterintuitive because you'd think with Jones. Active, he'd be getting targets and Ridley would not be doing well. But, you know, I have Ridley ranked as a solid uh, wide receiver too this week.
0: Steelers and the Bengals also offer many other injury fallout questions. Let's start with the Bengals because I definitely think we're losing T. Higgins and certainly Tyler Boyd. Jake Browning, who was 37th in yards per attempt in the preseason, littered among other third string options. Uh, is not going to drag two receivers with him, unfortunately. But how much are you moving Jamar Chase down this week and rest of
1: season? Well, he caught two of seven targets uh, in the last game. I don't know how many of those targets came from Browning. It looks like Burrow played about half the game. He ended up with a touchdown late to sort of save his fantasy day. I'm worried. And even I mean, Burrow is-
0: was at 5.9 yards per attempt, I believe. Like clearly the wrist injury was not reported. Don't get me started.
1: Okay, I won't. But Chase is now in that same position as Devontae Adams, uh, as Garrett Wilson, uh, just getting targets. And I don't know if he's going to be peppered as much because there are other options there. I mean, Tanner Hudson led the team in yardage uh, with forty nine. He had four targets. Trenton Irwin played decent. You know, three of five targets for thirty six yards. Um, Joe Mixon caught a touchdown pass. But I think that was from Burrow. Um, I don't know that he's going to get peppered Jamar Chase. He might be, it depends on what, you know, Jake, uh, Jake Brownie wants to do, but uh, I don't know that he's going to see the 14, 12, 14 targets like uh, Devante Adams and Garrett Wilson are seeing. So I'm really concerned about Chase's floor. Um, but of everybody here, you know, you could start him, you could start mixing and then that's about it.
0: I'm with you. I genuinely think that is all we're getting from the Bengals for the rest of the season on the Steelers side of the ball another offensive change because Matt Canada's out. I'm still worried that Kenny Pickett was also half the problem. So we still have more players to get rid of here in order for everyone to get there. Kenny Pickett, who now has less games with three passing touchdowns than the God, Tommy DeVito himself. But do you see a change in the way Deontay Johnson and George Pickens see targets without Matt Canada? Because I think people are now questioning does George Pickens come back to life or he still just a go-route guy with inefficient targets outside the hash marks? My thing is, Deontay Johnson was already like leading the team in targets quite literally in every year since 2019, since he was drafted by the Steelers. So it doesn't get better for him. It only stays the same, which is okay, or it gets worse, which is what I'm concerned about because I don't think both can get there from Kenny Pickett consistently.
1: Uh- Deontay came back from his injury strong, and then he's had back-to-back games with less than 20 yards receiving four uh, targets against Green Bay, eight targets against Cleveland. I mean, it was nice to see the bounce back to eight targets from week to week there from Green Bay to Cleveland, But uh, and, and Cleveland's a terrible matchup as well. But Cincinnati is a pretty good matchup uh, for the receivers, and I, I agree with what you, your premise there, because you're saying that Deontay's role can't get any bigger, and it's probably true. Um, so the question is, can it get more efficient? That that'd be the way he would improve, right? Um, and then there's and then the other, which is what why everybody's saying fire fire Canada, and that's why that's a chant going on in uh, Pittsburgh uh, restaurants and whatnot. I saw it on TikTok. So look at you. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, not, not, not 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 on purpose. So. Um, so you'd like to think, as he's kind of upside outside observer, that will be able to use him better and his efficiency will go up, but the risk is definitely there. I, th- I think he's still with his target floor pretty high, and it does seem like Pickett looks his way uh, early and often that he's got a pretty good uh, target floor. Uh, and I would think that the, the offense would be better, and this is a pretty susceptible pass defense in terms of the of the Bengals. So uh, I think and then the running game, Jalen Warren has 110 total yards in three straight games. Uh, so I think I need to be ranking him higher than where I've been kind of ranking him because of, uh, you know, looking at his year to date distributions because his, his distributions over the last month or so have been significantly better and he's obviously a better start than Najee Harris.
0: And it's such a great spot for them. Not only the Bengals allowing a league high and explosive plays per game, but also the only team allowing over 16% of the runs against them to gain 10-plus yards, and they're at 17.5%. They can't stop anyone on the ground. So it seems like a nuclear game for Jalen Warren, honestly. And just last week, only one fewer touch than Najee Harris. So as long as it stays a 50-50 split, uh, Jalen Warren's going to get there because he's just so good. For the Panthers at the Titans, the hellscape of Sunday. Let's start with the Panthers. We did get Adam Thielen there, a season-high 42.3% target share. And I just feel like in the second half of the season, and this miserable offense, with this miserable quarterback, and this miserable offensive line, like even 42% of the targets, you're really happy with 8 for 74. Like that's what we see like a 33-year-old can get away with in the cold months of November and December. So like if that's what we get the rest of the year, and I don't even know, that may be a ceiling. I'm okay with it. Where do you have him ranked this week? Because it is the matchup where, again, even Calvin Ridley popped last week.
1: Uh, He's got two matchups coming up that are good. He's got Tennessee this week. He's got Tampa Bay next week. Then he goes into the New Orleans, Atlanta, Green Bay, uh, which are all negative matchups and wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed. So this might be the last hurrah here for Adam Thielen, you know, in terms of getting over 70, 80 yards, receiving maybe getting a touchdown. I mean, he was scoring touchdowns in the first half of the season he had four in his first six games but he hasn't had one in the last month uh and he it was you know he had a five for 29 then a six for 42 uh in weeks nine and ten before it last week's eight for 74 so he was barely getting there uh from a ppr standpoint uh you know in the last month half of the last month anyway but he is seeing 11 6 10 and nine, 11 targets so he's getting all the targets and if they do throw a touchdown it'll likely be to him i think the last last week it was tommy trumbull uh, the backup tight end that got it. Um, but yes, I think over the next two weeks, Thielen is startable. Um, you're not expecting the world, but you probably should be able to get a 60-yard floor with maybe six catches, uh, and then maybe you get a touchdown or a bigger game because he is capable. I mean, he had three 100-yard games uh, in the first six weeks. So I think maybe the, the season and the age is catching up with him a little bit, um, but we'll see. Next two weeks will be very telling whether or not you're going to even want to start him in the weeks 14 through 16.
0: Speaking of not sure whether you want to start him in weeks 14 through 16, Derek Henry, another single-digit fantasy performance. And again, like we talked about last week, I am very much concerned about the offensive line situation here. What are you doing with Henry at home in a logically good spot?
1: Yeah, we've we've discussed this Carolina rush defense, and they do show up as a good matchup uh, in AFPA, but AFPA goes back, I think, rolling 10 weeks And over the last few weeks, the Panthers have gotten healthier, as you mentioned, I think in a previous show, they're only allowing 3.5 yards per carry uh, since week eight uh, to running backs, giving up about 86 yards rushing and uh, three quarters of a touchdown. Now, if Henry gets all that, that's okay. We're fine with, you know, 90 yards and maybe a touchdown and maybe 20 yards receiving, but TyJ Spears is going to be involved as well. Uh, So we're a little bit worried. Uh, I think. You know, heading into this stretch, we were looking at this uh, season, you know, closing schedule for Derrick Henry, and we were like, "Oh, Ka- Carolina, Indianapolis, Miami, Houston twice, Seattle." Like we were thinking, we might see the, the Derrick Henry of old, where he, you know, wins some tournaments and and things with 200 yards rushing. I don't know if we're going to get that because the Carolina matchup got worse, a Houston matchups got worse. Um, I still think he's going to have a couple big games in here. Uh, I do. Look at him as a high-end RB too, uh, but certainly over the last two weeks, in two really bad matchups against T- uh, Tampa and Jacksonville, their second and third just adjusted you Foy- fantasy points allowed to running backs, he has not delivered. But you know prior to that, he was, he was 75 and a touchdown, 122 total yards in week eight, uh, 97 receiving and a touchdown, uh, 97 rushing and a touchdown against Baltimore. Pretty tough matchup. So he's been, you know, prior to this little spell here, he's been fine. Uh, we'll see if he can get back to that uh, against Carolina this week.
0: And the only option for us in the passing game, as even Chico Conquo lost route participation this week, is DeAndre Hopkins and cross your fingers. Because Will Levis still, the bugaboo is under pressure. Luckily, the Panthers, a softer matchup in terms of that metric. The Saints and the Falcons, also lots of question marks we're waiting on. Derek Carr still in concussion protocol post buy, but practiced in full on Wednesday. So I think that means he's going to be cleared. And if so, I know both of you have written about, both of us have written about Rashid Shaheed this week, who registered a 33.3% target share from Derek Carr once Michael Thomas exited the field this past game. So with Carr presumably under center, what are you doing with Chris Olave as well?
1: Yeah, this injury with Carr is interesting because he's you know he's still in concussion protocol. So we might end up with Jameis Winston or some kind of um, mishmash of Winston and Taysom Hill. As far as I know, he's still in the concussion protocol, so we'll see uh, Derek Carr. So I think it'd actually be an improvement if it is Winston, just from a g- gunslinger standpoint. Maybe a change of quarterback might help Olave. Uh, the matchup isn't particularly good. Uh, I do. I am starting uh, Rashid Shahid this weekend. Scott Fishbowl. I'm excited to. He was way up there in yards per route run last year. He's just been, you know, kind of taking a back seat in the offense because he's the number three receiver behind Olave and Michael Thomas. But now that Michael Thomas is on IR, uh, we sh- I would think we would see a big jump in usage for Rashid Shaheed. At Perry is also now interesting. He had a touchdown. Uh, before the buy, uh, but Shahid, uh, you know, he didn't have a great game before the buy, but he had nine targets. So I think if he gets that sort of usage, given his typical yards per route run, uh, he should deliver wide receiver three numbers this week.
0: And any faith in Album Kamara in a return game here? I certainly think it helps if Derek Carr plays, not Jameis Winston, who, as you mentioned, just came off the bench and chucked it to Alave nine times.
1: Yeah, and I was just was double checking the car injury. He's listed as full on participant, but still needs doctor's clearance. I just wanted to confirm that to com- to complete the concussion protocol. So he's in one of those kind of situations. Yeah, I agree. I think you know Winston's probably worse for Kamara than than Carr. I mean, Carr like to likes to pepper hip with, with targets. Uh like the 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 Falcons are fourth in adjusted fantasy points a lot to running back, so it's not a great matchup. I might be moving him down if Carr's unable, unable to play because he's just less likely to see all those targets. The other player I wanted to ask you about, what do you think about Taysom Hill's how he had this great role and then the week before the buy, it just sort of vanished. And then, you know, he was no longer the RB two. He wasn't getting as many uh, catches, but you know, before that he was uh, you know, not only the RB two, but he was also throwing the ball and he was also uh, running a lot of routes, almost as many routes as a uh, Juwan Johnson, if I remember correctly.
0: And there is some signal, maybe it's more noise, still trying to figure it out that it negative game script is when Taysom Hill No, and positive game script is when Tacey Mill does not play. And they have had a bit of that their past two weeks, which is why he was so involved in that Bears game, because they were kind of hanging around rather than running away with it. So I'm still more than willing to start him every single week as a low-end tight end one, but we are still trying to put our fingers on, like, the exact situations when he plays, because I I wonder if they even know the exact situations when he plays.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's – it was almost like he was getting the Jamal Williams backup RB2 role, goal line role, and then also as a t- you know, part-time tight end, part-time passer. So that was definitely adding up to some, some fantasy points if he's still eligible in tight end uh, for in, in those leagues where he's still eligible as a tight end.
0: The Falcon side of the ball, Arthur Smith came out on Wednesday and went on a five-minute soliloquy about Bijan Robinson. And this is coming after, before their bye, giving Bijan 60% of the team's running back touches, which was his most since week four, returned to the role we knew he should have been in the entire time, including out carrying Tyler Algier inside the five. So I think we're returning from the bye with a lot more confidence every single week for Bijan.
1: So you're, you're taking uh, Arthur Smith at his word, just because he went on a soliloquy that he's going uh, to feed, feed Robinson. I'm,
0: I'm taking. That's fair. That's a good question. Question mark at the end of the teleprompter. I just
1: yeah. I just wanted to just.
0: I'm taking the usage and then two more weeks to integrate him and the soliloquy. I'm taking all of it and suggesting. I think we're going to be more confident in Bijan moving forward. Personal. if you
1: remember i don't know a couple weeks ago i said to you that and i believe it was that before the arizona game where he's gonna he's getting so tired he looked completely miserable answering question yeah. after question about why b john robinson was not getting enough touches and then all of a sudden week 10 23 touches 106 yards and a touchdown so that, i think and he scored on his only carries out the five he
0: scores
1: yeah he scored he has the second rushing touchdown of the year um a little bit weird though that only two targets, so you know losing a little bit in the passing, but you you'll take it when you're going to get 22 uh, carries out of them. Yeah, I could see what you're saying, and you're coming out of the bye here. Uh, the Saints are 12th uh, against uh, uh, running backs, and then the Jets are 29th. Then he has a bad matchup against Tampa, uh, but then he's got Carolina, Indianapolis, and Chicago three green matchups. Although we just discussed uh, Carolina, maybe is a kind of a fake green matchup there for for. Bijan, but he might you know close the season very strong. Uh, that Tampa matchup in Week 14 is worrisome, but the playoffs look pretty good.
0: Also, keeping Drake London for me as a low end wide receiver two rest of season. Uh, remember, he had 21 percent of the team's targets and five consecutive games before injury, and then that last miserable start whenever Heineke got benched, and it was London's first game back is when he fell off before then he was someone we had complete confidence in every single week. So I will, I do not mind going right back to Drake London in this game, especially with Marshawn Lattimore and others banged up in the St. Secondary.
1: Yeah. it will be a little puck- bit. I just wanted to mention next week, you know, the jets, that's going to be a tough one. Carolina's is a tough one in week 15, but you'll definitely be able to start him uh, week 14, week 16, week 17 against the bucks. Uh, the Colts and the Bears. Just want to mention that for playoff purposes.
0: Speaking of the Bucks and Colts, let's get to it because the Bucks defense out of their bye. Pretty much everyone has gotten there now except Will Levitt. Brought Purdy even, the QB2 on the week, no pushback whatsoever. And it's created fun game environments because the Bucks now, Baker Mayfield, is averaging 37 and a half pass attempts per game out of their bye because they have no choice but to pass since they can't stop anyone. And on the other side of the ball here, the Colts are still top five in plays per game and Gardner Minshew starts because they're just playing at a different volume under Shane Steichen this year. So for the Colts side of the ball, uh, what are you doing with Josh Downs and Michael Pittman, given that Downs is battling this knee injury that he supposedly had for uh, the entire year?
1: Yeah. I read an article uh, in USA Today about, about downs trying to gauge the seriousness of it and it did sound like he's like heading into the like he was trying to get to the bye and he thought that with a week off he would be 100% rest of the season that was the quote now is he really 100% probably not but it sounds like you know he was in a position where it was sore getting that week off it helps you know him feel confident heading into the rest of the season it's not something that's going to Uh, hinder him a whole lot. So I, you know, I'm keeping an eye on his practice participation. I've got him ranked as a solid wide receiver three due to this matchup against the Bucs, the 29th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, receivers. So obviously Michael Pittman is, you know, a wide receiver, low end wide receiver one this week. And then I've got downs at, you know, it's really the target trees there is just those two. Uh, And those are the two you have confidence in along with uh, Jonathan Taylor at running back.
0: And for the Bucs side of the ball, I think really it's become the same thing. Mike Evans, Rashad White in the passing game, or if he, like he's done his last three rushing touchdowns, really just fall inside the goal line. And that's it, unless you're looking for a tight end streaming option, because Kate is still out there for around 90% of dropbacks out of the team's buy. And you just have to hope he gets there in terms of receiving production.
1: This is a, going to be an interesting game because you, you mentioned that the Bucks are uh... – you know passing the ball because they can't stop anyone by the pass but they also can't run the ball so it's like this multi-faceted situation i mean they got uh, averaging 3.1 yards per carry and 77 yards uh rushing as a team on the season and it's not a particularly bad matchup against the colts but they can't run the ball uh so rashad white will get there because of you know he'll get his 14 carries for 45 yards and then get six catches and you know maybe he'll score a touchdown um but yeah a uh, white uh, Mike Evans, you're kind of keeping an eye on uh, Chris Godwin, who uh, I think tweaked his ankle prior to uh, or in the last week. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I think, is a live streamer along with Gardner Minshew. Given the nature of this game, I think it should be high scoring. We'll see. Uh, and I don't know if either team's going to be able to run the ball very well. Even Jonathan Taylor might struggle uh, pure rushing, so he'll he'll probably get some catches as well.
0: Patriots and Giants, anything you want to say?
1: Well, yes, I do. There's actually something I wanted to say, because during last week's stream, you said Tommy DeVito, if you need a streamer, is it Tommy DeVito? Is that his name? I keep calling it him was. Danny. It was
0: uh, Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito, you said as the Tommy best, best touchdown DeVito, celebration in NFL history, yes. And we saw it three times.
1: I think I had him ranked as my last uh, quarterback, uh, oh. and you said...
0: You said it was the
1: matchup. You said it's possible uh, if you really need, if you're desperate for a streamer, Devito, and he delivered. De- Devito delivered. So I wanted to give you credit for that. I don't know if we'll see a repeat. Certainly not this week against no, the Patriots. They have a pretty stingy defense. And they don't have an offense to keep up with anybody. So um, yeah, I, there's not a whole lot to say about this.
0: For the low-end quarterbacks, matchups make quarterbacks, and this is not the spot. This is Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback. Not to mention Devito, although he got there. He still took, he's still now in his three starts, has taken nine, eight, and five sacks. Like he's just getting eaten alive. So I'm really worried about the Giants offense. Uh, I know Saquon Barkley looked explosive, but again, that was a very bad commander's defense. And the Patriots defense, I know, is out there. It's just such an easy one to start this week if you need help, if you're desperate.
1: Yeah. and, And Bill Belichick's good at taking away the opponents. Best option. I mean, who, is and, and who is it going <laughs> to yeah. be? Like, yeah. So, I mean, I think Barkley's uh, volume wise should see enough work. But, uh, you know, last week seems like the aberration, you know, with the two receiving touchdowns.
0: Where do you have Ramondre Stevenson ranked before we exit this game? Because he went to the bye with a back injury. He did look explosive the past two games before they went to their bye, but the issue is he does still split touches with Ezekiel Elliott. So he's just always a weakly tough sell, although I could see playing him in this situation.
1: Yeah, the Giants are 19th and a fantasy points allowed to running back, so it's a favorable matchup. He's uh, not listed on the injury report now, so I would assume he's closer to full health, and that's that bodes well. Obviously Ezekiel has been digging into his touches a bit, and I don't know how much of that was you know injury versus production. But I, I think Stevenson is a solid low end RB two, you know, and maybe high end RB three uh, in this game. Where you know it's just the, you just look at this Patriots offense. You're like, how many touchdowns are they actually gonna score? I mean, two. Uh and then will Stevenson get one of them or will it be Elliott? And then maybe they throw one in and or maybe they get one on defense. So it's 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 uh it's a tough sell, as you mentioned, but I think this is a you know it's not the matchup's not so bad where you're like, oh, I can't start Stevenson against the Giants. You know, they're they're not uh you know too stingy against the run.
0: Browns at Broncos, two elite defenses to this point of the season, and I don't know when and how they choose to disperse Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. With Jerome Ford even getting a carry inside the five-yard line this past week. But given his receiving usage, I still lean Jerome Ford weekly. Your thoughts in the rankings.
1: I think they might both be serviceable here. I do agree that Ford gets the nod. Um, and he did, uh, I think, get a rushing touchdown last week, right? So it wasn't – Hunt's been the one getting them. Uh, and he's been kind of coming in at the the goal line and getting the touchdowns, but Ford got one last week. This this is an interesting game because you're talking about the, you know, the Denver defense has gotten a lot better, but they're still terrible against the run. Uh, 160 yards, uh, rushing on average allowed 5.5 yards per attempt. And that matches up with the Browns strength, uh, of running the ball. And do they even want to throw the ball with Dorian Thompson? Uh, Robinson, or is this just a super run heavy, 60, 70% running heavy game plan where they just churn up yardage and maybe Ford and Hunt both get there with 15 plus carries a piece. I mean, that's the way that I would attack this uh, Broncos defense if you have success early, especially if you have a success early, because I don't think that, you know, through the air is the way to go.
0: Also with DTR, it's his first career road start. So I don't know how this is going to fare and the altitude against the Broncos who are actually competing to slip into the playoffs. So pretty important game for Denver. And I was speaking of Denver because it really has become like the Browns passing attack where, well, no, no, no. Let me go back here because it's not just Amari Cooper. Since we now have seen David and Joku average a 36.8% target share in DTR's two starts. And in a way I have more confidence in Joku moving forward now because like all the other receivers we've talked about who lose due to injury under center, I think we're getting much lower confidence in Amari Cooper moving forward. It's a very big deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I would rather start, I mean, I don't know on a one-to-one basis, but I feel a lot better about Njoku as a high end tight end too this week. Um, third, uh, Denver's 31st adjusted fancy points allowed to tight ends. Amari Cooper, Denver's fifth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers, So I've got him ranked as a wide receiver four. I've almost no confidence. I've got him down there with the, the Gabe Davises of the world. Uh, so, you know, there's a, there's a floor, certainly a floor. I think Gabe Davis might even have be a better start just because of the matchup against Philly. No, we'll um, get there. We'll get there. But, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in Cooper right now, given the quarterback situation. As you mentioned, I think Njoku is, you know, kind of sitting there in that high-end uh, tight end two range. And he's a fairly good start for those of us that didn't uh, draft an elite tight end
0: what I was going to say on the other side of the ball was it's Courtland Sutton and that's it. Uh, even Jerry Judy, you know, I had many questions in my start sit, and a lot like Michael Thomas was Jerry Judy is closer to dropping than he is starting unless you're that desperate because even a lot of guys that you can stream this week off the waiver wire, like a, we talked about Jameson Williams, Jaden Reed, uh, Khalil Shakur, I feel like those guys are just in better spots than Judy every single week since he's good for 40 to 60 yards and five catches, and that's not really a guy that's going to win us fantasy championships.
1: Yeah, he's got one touchdown. Courtland Sutton has like eight. Uh, if you, I, I was talking on the super chat, like if you look at Jerry Judy's game log, it's like super sad. It's depressing uh, <laughs> because it's just like you're getting ten, you're getting your eight to ten points, and that's all you're getting unless he somehow scores a touchdown. So.
0: Someone asked me to put him on the drop list in the waiver wire, and I'm very, I'm, I'm diligent, but I'm cautious. And so, a guy like that, I could keep as a contingency receiver just in case Cortland Sutton was injured. And I say, okay, I don't want to drop Judy because Judy, that's the picture of him blowing up, is if Sutton is no longer around. But am I starting him? No, like you, it's just really tough. And in this spot against the Browns, there's no way I'd have the confidence to start him.
1: Yeah, and how do you feel about uh, Javante Williams? Uh, you know, he was in a pretty good spot last week, didn't get there, didn't do that well. Uh, Cleveland is third in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. I've got him at 26 this week, so he's down in that, you know, that range with Ford and Singletary and Gus Edwards.
0: I'm still very confident in him. A lot of Samaji P. Run's work came in the two minute drill since they were driving to end that game with a game winning field goal. Will Lutz had seven field goals, right? Like they were just unable to punch it in. So I'm not worried about P. Ryan popping back up. That was situational. And I do think the Broncos will have a lead to pad here. So uh, like you, probably mid to low in RB2 for Javante for me this
1: week. Yeah, 13 touches is a bit disappointing because he had been, you know, previous games he had been dominating touches in that backfield. So hopefully he gets back to that. I mean, he had 15 carries, 27 carries, 21 carries in the three previous games, and then only 11 against Miami or uh, against Minnesota.
0: Rams and Cardinals, also lots of questions on the Rams side of the ball. Seems like Stafford's good to go, but Cooper Cup not practicing on Wednesday with his low ankle sprain. We are unsure of his status. Puka Nakua limited on Wednesday, who also suffered a shoulder injury. If you just want to go back to the first month of the season without Cooper Cup, remember Tutu Atwell averaged a 20.5% target share and 14.4 PPR points per game. I think he comes back into our lives and a soft spot given that the Cardinals have generated the 30th rate of pressure, and Stafford's splits against pressure have been a wild margin compared to a clean pocket. So that's where I'm at with the Rams offense. Where do you have Kyron Williams ranked in his first game back?
1: I trust I trust Kyron Williams. Uh, given the way that they you know, jettisoned uh, Daryl Henderson, it didn't seem like they needed to see Kyron – you know, work in practice or anything like that to know that he's fully healthy, the, you know, by cutting Henderson, uh, that's a sign to me that Kyron's ready for a full workload. Now he might, you know, Royce Freeman's been running pretty well. He was more efficient than Henderson over the last couple weeks. weeks. Uh, he might see a, a few extra uh, carries this week, but the matchup against Arizona is so good. The 31st and adjusted fancy points allowed to running backs. Last time Kyron Williams faced him, I think it was 158 yards uh, rushing. He was also seeing quite a few catches prior to that game. Uh, so he's involved as a receiver as well, and I'm glad you mentioned Atwell because I think he's flying under the radar. I listed him as a sneaky start. Obviously, you're going to start Puka Nakua if Cup is out, but if Cup is out, you're also looking at Atwell as a you know a, a real um, you know an upside play against this Arizona defense that's 19th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, receivers.
0: Cardinal side of the ball, everyone is rightfully frustrated about Marquise Brown's usage, and it's just a matter of. His targets are so volatile, and more importantly, he's also not getting the target share from Kyler Murray this year. So in these last two games, it's not only that 57% of his targets have come 20 yards downfield, he's also getting less than the 24.5% target share he earned from Mark, from Kyler Murray last year. Because in these last two weeks, we've seen Rondell Moore pop up for 27% of the team's targets, and this last week, it was Greg Dortch. So... How are you handling Marquise Brown and the rankings?
1: I like how you said uh, Greg Dortch there. Uh, that that Dortch is quite the last name. Uh, he,
0: he is good at football, though. He was good yeah, last no, year. Any he's been asked to play, oh yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, but he genuinely is like a good player that should earn more reps.
1: It's just his—he's funny because his name's a little bit funny, and then he comes in and, and like leads cool. the, yeah. he leads the team in all receiving categories uh, <laughs> just off the off the bench. Um, yeah, this is a kind of a weird one because i think we were expecting with kyler back that yeah you know marquise was seeing 10 10 11 7 9 8 targets and if he gets those kinds of targets from kyler murray that things would be better right so his production would be more consistent and we've and it's not like this these two don't have a relationship we saw it last year that they were good together so it is <clears throat> excuse me it's weird that uh only nine targets are the last two games he's almost like the, you know, Christian Watson of the West. Like it's these deep targets that are low percentage. And if they don't connect, I think, I think he um, was missed on a 60 yard touchdown. I don't know if that was last week or two weeks ago, but that would have, I think it was against Atlanta. Right. So I think we are looking at, yeah. So, you know, if he had caught that, we might be talking about this in a different, um, you know, context, but through two weeks, the uh, returns are not good. And, you know, you would think against Houston, especially that there would be, Uh, Enough scoring and yards available to for him to to get there. So yeah, certainly worrisome. More ranked as a wide receiver three or four as opposed to the wide receiver two, three that I have been ranking in the last couple weeks.
0: Feel free to go back to Greg Dortch, given that team high target share. If Michael Wilson and Zach Pascal are out, if one of them to return though, I think Dortch is the one who loses out because Rondell Moore did lead the team with sixty seven percent of his routes from the slot and. Wilson and Pascal had run at least 72% of their routes from the out wide. So that means Dorch would then lose out because one of them returns on the boundary and Rondell Moore can stay on the inside. That is my well, Ron,
1: view. Well, Rondell's funny because uh, I was big on like, I was like in sneaky starts at uh, standpoint, I've been thinking about him since Murray came back. Cause he averaged like 53 yards per game with Murray. He has that first game five for 43 with eight targets. And then, you know, you get the, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I'm starting, I'm starting uh, Rondell Moore at uh, Yahoo DFS. Cause he's 10 bucks. So he's like minimum player. He gets the, he gets the 48 yard touchdown and then he doesn't get another target the rest of the game. It's crazy.
0: I'm pretty sure four, four is the only thing keeping Yahoo DFS going right now because you and TJ pound those it. tournaments. Y'all, I y'all love love it. It. Uh, bills at the Eagles. You were talking about, starting everyone, and this is a start-all-the-dudes kind of game because, yes, Jalen Hurts has been inefficient running the ball on the ground. Still falls forward with touchdowns, no big deal, but in this spot, the Bills are so banged up, I don't know how they stop anyone. Uh, Not only Matt Milano and Tredavious White, as everyone knows about the past month and a half, but even on Sunday now, to have Micah Hyde and Dane Jackson in concussion protocol and then teron johnson at home following that scary neck injury it just seems like they have no one available to stop philadelphia's what is now concentrated passing game between devontae smith and aj brown
1: yeah i'm a little bit worried about uh, james cook uh you know it's a bad matchup for running backs in terms of rushing um maybe he could get there as a receiver uh but philly is you know bottom third and uh receiving yards allowed to running back. So I'm a little worried about him. Uh, and then I think you get into, uh, I mean, Diggs obviously is a start, and then you're looking at Gabe Davis and Cleo Shakir and Shakir's floor has been a little bit better. Gabe Davis obviously has a huge ceiling, but he's also got uh, two goose eggs in the last three games. This might be the game where he gets off the schneid uh, and, and delivers. And uh, I'm a little reluctant to use him. I've got him in Scott fishbowl. I've got Deontay. I've got uh, I'm Michael Pittman, um, and I've got Rashid Shaheed. So I, you think I should start Gabe Davis over one of those three?
0: I would still feel more I would still feel more confidence in Gabe Davis personally uh, over Rasheed Shaheed. But I get it. It's close, especially with Davis coming off an egg. But that egg was also opponent specific, which is, leads me to my next one. Because the Bills came out with Joe Brady and just said, we're not targeting the boundary. Like we're just not going to go there against DJ Reed and sauce Gardner. We're going to hit you over the middle of the field, which is why Dolphin Cade underneath and everyone else had successful days. Even when you look at Allen's passing chart, whereas they're not worried here. You can do whatever the hell you want against the Eagles. James Bradbury is having an absolutely miserable year. They can get pressure up front, but everyone has success against Philadelphia. So, just like the Eagles side of the ball, all of the Bills' pass catchers, I'm jamming into lineups, Shakur and D- Gabe Davis included.
1: It's interesting looking at the wide receiver matchups. It's uh, uh, Bradley Roby is actually pretty good in a fantasy points per route covered standpoint, whereas Bradbury and Slay are, are struggling mightily.
0: It's been rough for the Eagles' defense, but this is absolutely one that you just want to start everyone Uh Everyone. Everyone through the air. It's, it's legitimately that simple. The Chiefs and the Raiders. And the Chiefs should have scored 30 points and defeated the Eagles by two scores on Monday night. But they were—they went full chargers, honestly, between Travis Kelsey's fumble, Patrick Mahomes' end zone pick, uh, MBS and Justin Watson dropped touchdowns. But for me, Justin Watson is important because now – 16 targets the past two games, not only that around the bye, but he's led their receivers and routes run in both of those games. It is clear for as long as he's healthy for whatever we think about the decision, Justin Watson is going nowhere and he's the one chief's receiver to trust.
1: I think he could, I think he could run Rasheed Rice out there, but you're, you're right. He's been, I mean, Watson's been objectively better the last couple of weeks. Rice was trending up and then has kind of, faded uh, faded a bit uh you know i would agree with that and also you're getting a lot of air yards and you know deep deeper targets with with justin watson so that makes sense
0: what about the raider side from aiden o'connell i still have lost faith in jacoby myers as michael mayer still continues trending and eating into his targets um and then more importantly now three games under antonio pierce josh jacobs Three targets for a 3.5% share. It's been rough.
1: And this Chiefs defense is really good. Um, I think they kind of fly under the radar at how good they are. They're first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, sixth against uh, running backs, fourth against uh, receivers, um, and sixth against tight ends. So across the board, they're like top six against all positions. So I, the only guy you kind of, I mean, you're, you can run Josh Jacobs out there for volume. And Devontae Adams out there because he'll see he's likely to see 10 plus targets. But um, you know, you gotta be prepared for for bad games for both of these guys, and you're just kind of hoping they get there on volume.
0: Ravens of the Chargers Sunday night, and lots of injuries around this as well. Let's start with the most logical replacement for Mark Andrews. And I have a lot more confidence in Isaiah Likely than a lot of people because we saw the 24 yard touchdown and eight catches for 103 yards. And his two starts for Andrews last year. And this year he's only totaled one target, but I would like to personally attribute that to week one, whenever they lost Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum in game. And that's why I'm assuming likely recorded his most run blocking snaps of any game this year in that particular one. And this past week, It's a short week. He's not integrated as part of the game plan. He still ends up running around in over 90% of dropbacks, but only because they have no other option behind Mark Andrews. So I would think with Odell Beckham having the shoulder injury and Mark Andrews done for the year, that they have no choice but to now take this week, extra week, 10 days rest, and integrate likely into Mark Andrews' role.
1: Yeah. I don't know if he'll, he'll deliver Mark Andrews numbers and I don't, or I don't sure. think you're saying that, but yeah. uh, I, he's my choice as well. I think if you're in any kind of tight end trouble uh, pick up likely and see what happens. Uh, I think the one concern is that, and it was the concern heading into the season with Mark Andrews, but he's got the talent and the pedigree and the role in the offense to, to retain his targets and his role in that offense. Uh, but is that they do have more talent at receiver now. they got Zay Flowers, if if Odell Beckham is healthy, and Rashad Bateman's healthy, uh, Nelson Aguilar healthy. Then they had, do have some other players they can lean on if they didn't want to feature Isaiah Likely. I just want to mention that last year, you did mention the two starts that he had, but he had three games last year with at least 67% of the snaps. Usually he's playing like 30% of the snaps in a typical game, 25%, 30%. So double the snaps Uh, He had six for 77 and a touchdown against Tampa on seven targets. He had one for 24 and touchdown on five targets against new Orleans. And then you mentioned the 13 target game against uh, the Bengals eight for one Oh three. So, I mean, you're talking two touchdowns plus a hundred yard game uh, out of a tight end, Um, you know, going over 18 PPR fantasy points twice in three games. Uh, That's, that's the kind of upside that we want to chase heading into uh, the the fantasy playoffs the down the stretch type stuff, especially if you're struggling at all at tight end, or if you just have like a, a you know a Dalton Schultz or a Jake Ferguson or somebody like that, or David and Joku for sure, you'd want to grab likely and give yourself another option week to week.
0: Also, upside in Zay Flowers because remember week one no Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers not only led the team, led the entire league with a 47.6 percent target share. So you jam in Zay Flowers. Wherever you have question marks, you start him everywhere this week. Odell Beckham, we'll see what happens. I do know he went over 100 yards on Thursday, but it was also his first game over 100 yards since 2019, and he was still only in for a route on 54% of dropbacks. It's concerning usage at his age. I don't, I don't know if I can chase it personally.
1: Three weeks, last three weeks, five for 56 and a touchdown, seven targets, one for 40 and a touchdown on two targets, 33% of the snaps, and then the four for 116. I mean, that one for 40 and the touchdown was against his old team too. So there's a little old team theorem there. Four for 116 and seven targets. But as you mentioned, he's, he's a part-time player. So I don't... It, I'd like to see him full health.
0: I'm good at breaking my brain in these situations. Like I can separate and say, I think you can... Like with, with Jalen Warno's those other guys, I, I am able to say... You can still get there despite the usage not actually being there. I think it's just his age and his lack of historical performances the past couple of years due to injury that's really separated me from this. But I get it if people pick him up. I get it if you want to flex him. I'm struggling with it personally.
1: I think this week is not too bad with the Chargers. They're 28th at just a fancy Yeah. Uh, And then after the bye, they've got the Rams, which is a tougher matchup. But then they have Jacksonville. Uh, San Francisco and Miami—they're all outside of the top 19 in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. So if he can get healthy, I think there's a little bit there, and they might have to lean on him more, with with Andrews out. So there's a little bit. Like I, I would roster him. I think he's been in some waiver wire articles and stuff, but uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with the health, as you mentioned.
0: What about Keaton Mitchell for you? Since John Harbaugh lied to us and pretty much gave him the same role with Justice Hill still involved on Thursday.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair to John, <laughs> I'm defending John Harbaugh. Um, it did seem like his role grew a little bit. Um, I'm pulling up the RBBC report right now. Um, he had the eight uh, carries, one reception. He outsnapped uh, J- Justice Hill 36% to 26%. Justice Hill only had the two touches. So I think it's maybe not growing fast enough for your liking, but there's not a whole lot more. He could get two more. You know, he could have, instead of having nine touches, he could have 11. If he, if he, if he. And we, uh, and we had, discussed
0: how it's never going to be 12 to 15 touches because Gus Edwards is too good.
1: Yeah. And he's the goal line back as well, which is the, the, you know, the money. So if you're going to get something out of Mitchell, it's going to be a long run or a catch. Um, we saw that uh, against Seattle, the nine uh, carries for 138 yards. Uh, and a touchdown and he had a touchdown the following week against Cleveland. So th- I think he might, you know, this is a decent matchup against the chargers at 26th and just the fancy points allowed to running backs. Uh, he could get there, but it's just one of these low volume, high, high efficiency type guys and you need him to break a long run or a long catch to really pay off.
0: On the other side of the ball for the chargers, you know exactly who to play. There are no more ancillary options since no one's starting Quentin Johnson. The dream has died where we took our touchdown two weeks ago. On that 10% target share, we're absolutely done with it following that big drop. It was a butterfly effect. It wasn't just his fault, but certainly he certainly also lost the game for the Chargers. Uh, I think the only thing to say is that you'd have to take it down to Sunday night, which is scary because there's really not a pivot in either game. But if Gerald Everett's out, Donald Parham did pop up for a route on a season-high percentage of his dropbacks, of the Chargers dropbacks.
1: Yeah, he's not bad. He had a he had a drop um early in the game against to, the Packers, yeah. yeah uh, but he ended up with over fifty yards, I think. And he's always a touchdown threat. He's such a big body. Uh, but I think Gerald Everett did return to practice today, so that's something certainly to monitor. If he comes back, it's it's you can't really use Parham.
0: Oh yeah, if Everett already is back practicing on Wednesday, there on a Sunday night game, there's no way. Okay, go ahead and ignore that then. And finally, Monday, the Bears at the Vikings. Let's start with the Alexander Madison Ty Chandler side. What is your read since although Ty Chandler looked good, 31 yards were on special teams where he took the fake punt and ran it forward for a first down?
1: Yeah, I mean, I liked as a Chandler manager. I liked I had to bench him because Madison came back and I didn't know who to start. And so I benched them both. Um, just kind of see what was happening, even if it was a great even though it was a great matchup. So that was a little bit frustrating. But um I'm glad you mentioned the the punt fake punt because you know his his numbers are a little bit uh, inflated because of that, but he has been um, more efficient than Madison, although Madison did have a good game against Denver. I think the thing that's throwing me a little bit with Madison is that he lost that fumble. and I'm just wondering if things are start to tilt more in Chandler's way because prior to Madison's um, concussion, I think it was like nine to eight touches in that game or eight to seven touches in that game between the two. So they were definitely in that game deciding that Chandler was going to see a bigger role was going to overtake the uh, Cam Akers role and Madison wasn't going to see a lion's share of touches. He ended up seeing 19 uh, versus 14 for Chandler uh, against the uh, Broncos. And they both had great running games because the Broncos rush defense is terrible. So all that being said, I, if you want to touch floor, Madison's your guy he is running a little bit better uh, but you know certainly excited as a Chandler manager that maybe his role is growing and it's possible that he could overtake uh, Madison in the coming weeks especially if Madison keeps putting the ball on the ground
0: and since Chandler still doubled up Madison in targets I would think he's the one we want against the Bears since the Bears are leading the league and receiving yards per game allowed to opposing running backs so Madison, like, I don't expect to go away necessarily, but I do think he can continue outperforming. Chandler can out, continue outperforming Madison in this particular spot. Any thoughts on the rest of the Vikings' passing game from Josh Dobbs?
1: Well, we're waiting to see if Justin Jefferson's going to be back. Uh, uh, that's a t- but we don't think so. We don't think so? Uh,
0: the, okay. re- most re- the most recent report from Adam Schefter was the team, or Justin Jefferson's side, is – very aware that the bye is next week. And so I'm pretty sure he's out and then he returns in week 14.
1: Okay. And this is an important division game against the the bears, although the bears aren't really going to be in the running for the, to win the division, but um, that makes sense. I mean, with the bye looming uh, then I would think that Jordan Addison is a rock solid start against the bears. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, obviously uh, you can maybe make a case for, for KJ Osborne, but, um, Josh Dobbs is not like this magical passing quarterback that, you know, is eight yards per attempt and, you know, he, he's a com- competitor. He can run the ball. He can get you some rushing touchdowns. He's hangs in the pocket and, you know, he's just not as efficient as, you know, you would like your fantasy receiver quarterbacks to be. Um, but I think Addison and, you know, Hawkinson are, you know, pretty rock solid at a wide receiver and tight end.
0: We definitely, though. Again, I've said it four times this show, but just because the quarterback plays so bad around the league, like we've also lost Addison's ceiling. That's the problem because he's just been a middle-of-the-road, like PPR option with less than 70 receiving yards and, and no touchdown in all three games from Josh Dobbs. So to me, it's still just like he doesn't have any pop. And then when Justin Jefferson comes back in week 14, we may lose him altogether because he's going to have to out-target T.G. Hawkinson underneath and then, of course, Jefferson.
1: He's had a rough um, stretch of games in terms of matchups, and I don't know that the Bears are significantly better. They're twelfth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers, but Denver was sixth, New Orleans was eighth, Atlanta was ten, and he actually had a good game against Green Bay, who are fifth in that metric. Um, but that was the last touchdown, and of course, that was the last um, game with uh, Kirk Cousins. I can't remember who threw him the touchdown in that game, um, but it probably wasn't it probably wasn't the backup whoever that whoever came in. Um, yeah, he's been under under 70 yards three straight games, uh, but I still you know seven seven six. I, I guess Rock Solid is probably overstating it. Uh, maybe as a wide receiver three PPR option, he he's gotten there ten point two, ten point nine, seven point four last week. Not great, but again ma- bad matchups. I think you know they're they're probably gonna have trouble running the ball on Chicago, and they'll have to throw it, uh, and it'll probably be Hawkinson and a lot of Hawkinson and some some Addison.
0: And. For the Bears running backs, thoughts on Khalil Herbert, assuming Deontay Foreman is inactive with a high ankle sprain or just available and inefficient?
1: Yeah, if he's gimpy, you know, we saw what happened. I mean, the uh, Bears came out and Foreman saw the first three, I think, backfield touches. So it looked like he was going to, at least for this week, uh, Herbert's first week back or last week, uh, he was going to retain the starting role. He did. And then Foreman picked up, re-injured that ankle. Uh, And then we saw Khalil Herbert finish with 18 touches and Roshan Johnson finish with six. So once that sort of happens, you're like, okay, Khalil Herbert, they're viewing him as the RB1. Uh, Roshan Johnson will have a role, but it's not going to be a big one. So if if Foreman's out, I think Herbert's a pretty solid start. Uh, The problem here is that the Vikings defense is playing better. They're not a great matchup for him. Uh, But we can be pretty confident that he's going to see if Foreman's out, he's going to see 15 plus touches. Uh, That might include some, some catches as well. He played, you know, he was running the only advanced metrics say he was running really well prior to the injury. He had 18 for 103 against Denver. Worst rush defense in the league 10 for 76 against Washington. in that injury game, Uh, he he came back and was pretty inefficient against Detroit, but Detroit's got a real good defense. So, or rush defense. So um, I feel pretty good about Herbert, you know, plugging him in there. If Foreman is out, but, You know, Foreman's active, then this gets more of a dice roll, but you think, you know, well, they don't need to overload their injured player when they have Herbert and they have Rashawn Johnson as well.
0: And with that, Paulson, tell everyone what else you will have on the site since we will be out of pocket, but around Thursday on.
1: Yes, yeah, so Sneaky Starts is already up. So check that out. I'll be updating rankings throughout the weekend. I'm not doing my Discord chat this week. I've taken the weekend off to spend some time with my family and get ready for the stretch run. Uh, but looking forward to some football and some turkey and some, maybe a couple old fashions.
0: The DFS weekend content doesn't miss a beat. We will be back Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern with myself, Pat Crane, and TJ Hernandez, and all of the DFS articles on Saturday for you and in the Discord throughout the weekend and Thanksgiving morning. So happy holidays to everyone. Thanks to the chat and everyone hanging around and listening. And until next time, and especially around the family, probably yelling about politics, remember, be a little bit kinder. What's